It is a, a word that's used to speak of authority as an overseer. And in all the technical terms, your pastor is an overseer of this congregation. They are overseeing your lives and they're praying for you and constantly on guard trying to make sure that the enemy is not creeping in to places that you're unaware of. So they oversee not only the house of God, but they oversee the sheep that come into the house. Another word that we could use to call pastor would be preacher. Amen. I had a young man whenever I was pastoring, that's what he called me, preacher. I mean, just a little bitty fella. He called me preacher. This speaks of the duty to proclaim the counsel of God. If there is ever a time that we need men and women to declare, thus saith the Lord, it's now. We have too many that are trying to be motivational in what they're sharing. We have too many that are trying to be educational in what they're sharing. But there's something about men and women that will say, this is what God is saying. I didn't write it, I just read it, and I'm bringing it to you. Amen. There's something about that that we need back in the church today. Amen. Uh, then there is the teaching aspect. There are times we could call them teacher because there are times that we need to teach and to disciple people to understand the greater things about God. And you can't do that from a setting of a lectern in front of a congregation. But maybe there's times in a smaller setting where that is more applicable. We also look at the word servant. If there is a man or a woman that is called into the ministry, they must be a servant. And this speaks of the need to minister to the needs of others. Also, there is a word that we could use here called steward. If we were to look at somebody that is a good steward, and uh, that would be applicable to a pastor because they have to be stewards of God's people. They have to be stewards of the finances that God is giving through the people. There are biblical criteria that are used to objectively choose leaders. Let's look at some of that today. It may surprise you to know that there are actually biblical qualifications for somebody to be a pastor. Amen. Not everybody is called to be a pastor. I was just in uh, our session yesterday with what we call CAMS, calling and ministry sessions to where that we help people identify what is their calling. And I had the privilege to teach there yesterday. And, and, and what I find out is many people don't really recognize uh, what their ministry call is. But if you're going to be a pastor, you've got to be called to being a pastor because there's days uh, that you look around and you say, God, what am I doing here? But yet God reminds you of the call to be a pastor. God reminds you of the call to stand before people and to declare the word, to teach the word, to show them how to live their lives. God puts a call on men and women to pastor and to love the people. It takes something more than just a great preacher to be a great pastor. Come on now. Amen. There's some great preachers in the world, but they're not great pastors. It's a call that's placed upon the life. The biblical criteria are standards for pastors. There are too many other methods that are used to identify what is a good pastor. Some of those misguided methods are judging pastors based on their popularity. And we look at them, well, they're great people, so I'm going to allow them to be my pastor. 
We have judging a pastor uh, on how much money that they bring to the church. Judging a pastor based on outward appearances. I believe with all of my heart a pastor ought to keep himself up. He ought to keep his family up. But sometimes if they're a little too fat, we don't like them. If they're a little too skinny, they don't eat enough. Come on. I I think I'm somewhere in between. I'm safe this morning. But the biblical criteria can be divided into three different areas. And I want to look at these areas this morning. A pastor should, number one, be a godly man or woman. Should be a godly man or woman. Two, a pastor should be a good family man. A pastor should be a good church man. I want to look at these three areas this morning in the test of a pastor. Some people want to establish their own standards for pastors. Usually these people who do not like uh, pastors look forward to judging them and condemning them on what they do right or wrong according to their standards. They want to toss out biblical standards and apply their own standards for what a good pastor should be. I want to introduce to you, if you're that individual, a new set of standards and tell you that there are rights and wrongs for pastors to live by. It's not your personal opinion that they are judged by. When these two individuals stand before God, they're not going to call you out of heaven and say, what do you think about Pastor Collins? What do you think? Did they do a good job or not? No, it's going to be up to God's standard. What did God say that they needed to... Come on, somebody. Amen. But yet we try to apply our standards to what we call a good pastor or not. It can be extremely frustrating for a godly pastor whenever he's living among people that judge them by their own standards. Amen. I call these unbiblical litmus tests that we try to apply to our pastors. But if we could look into the scripture today, we would find that there are truths that share with us what a godly man or woman looks like. What a good family man should look like. What a good church man should look like. It's all in the scripture. I know that we're influenced from many different directions, but if we're not influenced by the word of God, we have wrong influences. But thank God we've got his word. Amen. That even in knowing what a good pastor looks like, we can find it within the scripture. Somebody say amen. Some people get the idea that God gives them the authority to judge the pastor. Um, I, I'm trying not to, I'm, I'm not going to meddle today because I believe you've got a good church. Amen. You've got great people here. But I know some pastors that fight hell every Sunday morning that they walk through the back doors because people try to judge them on everything that they do. Can I just remind you that our pastors this morning are flesh and blood. They're humans. And there will be times that they cross you and you get sideways with them and you might not like them for a little while. But flip that around just a little bit. What if they treated you that way every time you did something that they didn't like? Amen. Um, Pastors struggle with how to juggle people's personalities. Sitting in this room every 
every Sunday are different personalities that a pastor has to juggle. You say, well, we're all one faith and one Lord and one baptism. Yeah, but we're still people. God created us different. We're not cookie-cutter Christians. God created us different for a purpose and a reason. You have some that are called what, what you would call a high D. They're very, they're very driven. They're, they're outgoing and they're, they're pushing themselves and their ideas on people. Then you have those at what we would call a C. They're very compromising and complementary to whatever's going on. And uh, We could go through the list of those, but there's different personalities here this morning. But whenever a pastor tries to pastor all the different personalities and some of those bipolar personalities, uh, we find it a great struggle to be able to reach some people. Here's one thing I come to understand pastoring. That whenever I stand behind the sacred desk and I begin to declare the word of the Lord, it doesn't matter if you're an A, a D, a C. It doesn't matter what personality type you are. It doesn't matter what your opinion is. It's what God's word says and that's what we've got to declare is the word of the Lord. Some pastors try to exceed the biblical qualifications and exalt themselves greater than other people. Some try to get around preaching sound doctrine. Some find themselves in moral failure because they have failed to honor Scripture. But since they can find themselves in so many different areas, drawn from different places, a pastor has to resign himself in the fact that God has called him to preach. God has called them to pastor the church. And the only influence that we can have as pastors is that we allow God to influence every decision that we make. Amen. I know that there is safety in a multitude of counsel. And I believe that a great pastor will always consult the leadership of his church. But the bottom line, it's not the leadership that will stand before God of how the church was pastored. Listen to me this morning. If there's a place of honor, it's the place of a pastor. You don't realize all that he's having to do because one day they will stand before God of how they pastored you. So it's needful for us to know that we have godly men and women standing behind the sacred desk. Not only to motivate us and to encourage us to be positive, but also to share with us the negative things that sometimes get us sideways. That whenever we understand that God gives us men and women in our lives to, to help us, to instruct us, and to lead us, if we can understand that and grasp that, the offensive barrier that is most of the time placed between the pulpit and the pew will be eliminated when we understand that we're in this together. And I know that that's become cliche here in the past several months, but we are. We're the body of Christ. We're not here to lord over you from the pulpit. We're here to help you make it to heaven. It's not the heart of this pastor for you to go to hell. You know why? Because it's, the, uh, it's not the heart of Christ that you go to hell. The Bible says that it's not His will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And if I could speak to you today out of the heart of a pastor, I would tell you, don't miss your opportunity to serve Christ. 
Amen. This pastor preaches to you from a godly platform. He preaches to you from the Word of God that there is right and there is wrong and wrong will be judged and right will be blessed. And if you'll live right, God will bless your life. For a long time, Pentecostal preachers, Pentecostal preachers have leaned leaned on the response of a church to help them pastor and to help them preach. We need you. We need your cooperation. You know, inside of a church, there is only one vision. It's God's vision. And who does He give that vision to? The pastor. And the pastor conveys the vision. Let me just share with you something here and... He might hang me up behind the building in just a little while, but let me say this to you. If you're not on board with the vision that God has given this man and woman of God, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. Barnabas was not a bad person whenever he left Paul. Acts chapter 15. He was not a bad guy, but he just couldn't get a hold of the vision that Paul had. And where God was sending Paul to preach the gospel. And so them both being great people, they parted their ways. Barnabas went one way and Paul went another way. And Paul received a Timothy. Pastor, I want to tell you, it's okay to let Barnabas go. Because God's got a Timothy waiting on you. You see, and this was a principle that, that Paul taught Timothy. Because if we look, I believe it's in... Uh, 2 Timothy, we find where Paul speaks of a man named Demas in his instruction to Timothy. And he says that Demas was corrupt and he loved the world more than he loved God. And so he has forsaken us and he has gone out. There are some people that are toxic that just don't need to be with us. But there can be some good people that need to go too. God has a plan for this body. God has a plan for each and every one of you. And there is a purpose for this body of believers gathering together and helping one another. But that vision doesn't come to everybody that's sitting on the pew. God speaks to this man and to this woman and He tells him what they need to do and how He wants to use this body for this, this community. And He wants you to understand that you can be a part of what He's doing. This is God's thing. It's not ours, but we listen to God. And through the pastors of this church, we have, have the vision of God conveyed to the church. And we as the believers, we become submissive to the vision that God has given. And we fall in line and we work and we do all that we can do so that another soul will be saved. Anytime you feel like you've got a better vision, maybe God's calling you to pastor. Anytime you feel like you've got a better vision, maybe God's telling you to go somewhere else. It's okay, we'll bless you in the name of the Lord and we'll send you on your way. But one thing you don't ever want to do is fight the pastor over the vision. God gives the pastor the vision. Leaders can become handicapped whenever we find people inside of the church that fight against the vision that God has given them. Whenever pastors spend their time dealing with issues that are not essential to the vision, we find the pastor overwhelmed. Can I just speak to the elders of the church here this morning and tell you do everything that you can to support this pastor. 
It was a time in the book of Acts where they looked at one another and they said, listen, we've got so much on our plate that we need to give ourselves to prayer and fasting. Let somebody else do the visitation. Let somebody else take care of the widow's program. Let somebody else visit the homeless. Let somebody else do all these different ministries so that we can pray and so that we can fast. When a pastor becomes overwhelmed with non-essential tasks to his calling, then we find a pastor that becomes burnt out and we find a pastor that's no longer a good godly man but he's burning all ends. Can I preach to the church just a minute? Hey, there's an opportunity for you to get on board. The vision has been set. Let us work together to see the kingdom of God advanced. Will you give the Lord praise this morning? This also affects the family. Pastors come home and the family is affected. If I were to take these young men and I'm referring to the young men because they're older, and I were to talk to them one-on-one, they would probably say that there's been times that mom and dad have been frustrated and upset, short with them, because they were dealing with issues inside of the church. You tell me if I'm getting too transparent here. I'll back up. Hey Amen. He's my pastor. He pulled my coattail, and I'll sit down. The reality is, is that this family is in ministry. You find a godly man, a godly woman that will lead their home. The Bible says that it's one of the criteria for them to be eligible to pastor the church is to be able to have a good home. I've known some guys that couldn't control their home and you know what? They couldn't control the church. And their ministries ended up in failure because they were not prepared through the family to prepare themselves to preach and pastor the church. Listen, the church can bless the family. The pastor has identified himself as a good, godly man. The pastor has identified himself as a good, godly father. What a tremendous help meet that he has with him, that alongside of him she pastors, she helps with all the work of the ministry of the church. But yet their home must be their priority. Church, can I encourage you something? Let me just be transparent with my life. My dad worked a job, sometimes 70, 80 hours a week, would come home and pastor a church. And he would do it to the best of his ability. Many times, we as family, I remember very few times being able to go and spend time out in the woods with my dad. Very few times being able to go out on the lake and go fishing with my dad. And I treasure those times that we did But let me remind you as a church, out of my own pain, out of my own experience, that this man and this woman have a family to raise and you can be courteous, you can be a blessing to them and you can allow them to be with their family first and foremost. The first thing that they'll be judged by is not how they pastored you, but how they raised their family. The first thing that they'll be judged by is how they live their lives before their children. The first thing that they'll be judged by is what they taught their family to live by. Can I tell you that you as a church can be a blessing to them by not putting unnecessary demands upon them? Come on, somebody help me preach. I want you to look at it like this. How many of you have a full-time job? How many of you work 24 hours a day, seven days a week? Most of you sitting in this congregation that whenever you're done at 5 o'clock on Friday, you've got Saturday and Sunday to kick back and do whatever you want to do. 
You know what this pastor's doing on Saturday and Sunday? Preparing to give his life. Preparing to give his life story about how Jesus has saved. You, you know what? It's, it, sometimes we become disconnected with what people's lives. It, it, it's a disconnection between the pulpit and the pew also. There's a lot of men forget that we've got working people in our congregations. But what if your boss man looked at you and said, you know what, you're working Friday and Saturday from home. For the rest of your life, many of you would say, nope, I quit. I'll go to work somewhere else. The life of ministry cannot be explained. The life of ministry can only be experienced. And you have a pastor, a pastor's wife, you have a pastoral family that loves God. They're involved in ministry. You ought to celebrate them bigger than you've ever celebrated them before. You ought to love on them, but also understand that whenever it's time to go on vacation, let them go. There's elders in this church, no doubt, that you can step up to the plate and you can handle business. You can take care of things. Don't put those unreal expectations on the man of God and the woman of God to deny their family to be with yours. I, I, I learned really, really quick. Now, my dad, he was a pastor's pastor. He, he was a man, he illustrated pastoral leadership to the congregation. If they sneezed and were going to urgent care, dad would go and check on them. I mean, if, if their big toe had an ingrown toenail in it and they were going to cut it out, dad would go pray with them before they got it cut out. I remember first few years of going to pastor and I was trying to mimic what my dad did my dad pastored a, a smaller congregation 30 to 50 at a time mom you can correct me if I'm wrong but 30 to 50 at a time it was about the most that he had in the congregation and it would go up and down it would go up and down but dad always was faithful to minister to the people and I tried that but my church was twice the size and I was pastoring 100 people. And I learned real quick, I can't be at 100 people's house at one time. And I was burning myself out. I would come home, my kids would say, Daddy, Daddy, can I show you? No, I don't want to hear that. I just want to go get in my chair because I'm burnt out. And I was overdoing it. <clears throat> I share that kind of stuff to tell you this, that there's a system that God has created for the body of Christ to work under. God gives you a pastor to lead you and to feed you. God puts elders inside of the church that are chosen by the pastor to go and to do the work of ministry. Then beneath them we have people that assist and aid in ministry. And it continues to trickle down and trickle down until it's not a hierarchy. It's just a system that God has put into place. It's not a place that we look to try to gain the next step of authority. It's not a corporate ladder to climb. It's a place to say, this is where God can use me the best. And this is where I want to fit in. And this is how I want to bless my pastor. <clears throat> Don't put too much on his, on his plate that he can't spend time with his family. The last thing that I want to share with you today is this. Is that there is a, a call on this man. A call to do ministry as a godly man. A call to be a pastor to his family before he is to the church. And then there is a call to be a good church man. 
And I believe that here this morning you've got a man that loves this church, a woman that cares about this church. I've heard their heart. I've heard them celebrate you. Just several weeks ago, we got to spend some time together at the state office and, and I heard him celebrating the good things that God is doing in your life. And to me, as an administrator, hearing pastors celebrate their people tells me that he loves them more than he hates them. Because trust me, there are guys that all they do is complain about their congregation. <laughs> but here, this pastor and this 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 pastoral couple that God has given you, they want to celebrate you. I know as well as they do that there are things that aggravates them about you. But they choose to celebrate you. I look at you as a congregation, I see a lot of youth in this house. I see diversity of color. I see diversity of age. I see diversity all through the house. And what does that tell me? It tells me that there's a man that God has put in this house, a woman that God has put in this house that doesn't care what you look like, that doesn't care where you come from, that doesn't care what your story says. They simply want you to know Jesus Christ and Him crucified to make heaven your home. That right there is enough to celebrate this morning that God has put somebody in your life to love you and to care about you more than you probably even care about yourself. To have a pastor and pastor's wife and a, a church family, a pastoral family that will care about you that'll love you right where you're at and disciple you and pour it into your life is worth more than gold. A lot of churches would, would pay you millions of dollars for people like this to pastor them. You think I'm exaggerating, I'm not. When you have a couple like this, you need to do everything that you can to keep them, support them and help them. Give them three vacations paid. <laughs> know in my heart today that if there was not another dime come through the offering plate that they would still do what they do and it all goes back to this it's a call it's a call there are hurts there are pains that they experience simply because they care they pour into people with time that they don't have because they care. Some of the greatest hurts you can ever experience is whenever you have, <clears throat> you have poured into somebody and it seems like they just won't get on board and they leave you, talk about you. Let me just, while we're talking about church, let me just say this, there's always going to be something that you don't like about church. Something that you'd want to do better. But I can tell you, if you go to the church down the road, there's always going to be something there that you don't like. Something that you think could be done better. So instead of complaining, let's be creative. Let's have a dialogue with our pastor. Talk to him and say, look, I, could we consider this? Could we look at this? Is it... What would be the reason behind this? You know, pastors make decisions <clears throat> based upon knowledge that you have that you don't have. 
they, they make decisions based upon knowledge that they can't share with you. But you know what? They don't share it with you because they love you and they care about you. Today it's been a privilege to be with you and to, to just talk about pastors. And you have two of the greatest pastors in western North Carolina. Amen. Pastor is the highest call, in my opinion, that you could ever have placed upon your life. And whenever people receive that call, it should not be done lightly. So today, Brother Sister Collins, we honor you. We thank you for what you're doing for the kingdom of God. These are two of the leaders in our denomination in Western North Carolina. And we honor them today from a state level. We honor you today from the friendship level. We honor you today as a church. And we give you honor and praise today. The workman is worthy. The workman is worthy. And what you have in front of you, like I've already said, is better than gold. Don't let loose of it. Let God use them to minister in your life. Man, a ton of stuff I could say this morning, but here's what I want to do. If our musicians could come. I want to ask our pastors if they would to come and just stand facing this congregation. I want you as a congregation to stand. If you love them, stand with me. Stretch your hands this way. Let's pray. Listen, here's what I want you to pray. I don't want you to just pray something. I want you to pray a prayer of blessing over them. Whatever the Lord would put in your life, in your heart right now, to pray over their life, I want you to do that. I want you to pray that prayer of blessing. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray your blessing upon this pastoral couple. We pray that you bless them and give them favor. We pray, Lord, that you open up doors for them. We pray that you speak through them. God, I pray that you would put people in their life. I pray that you would watch over them and protect them as they minister to the people that you would send to them. God, we're praying for a revival. We're praying, Lord, for an awakening right here in this little town of Denver. God, we're praying that you would use them to lead this church, that they would lead in the revival. God, I'm asking you that you would do again what you did just a few miles down the road years ago. God, that you would bring a sweeping revival of Pentecost right here in this city, right here in this town. God, open up doors for ministry. Open up a place, oh God, for them to be used, not only inside the church, but outside of the church. May this community look at them and call upon them as a resource to be able to grow the kingdom of God. I'm asking you today, Lord, meet every need that they might have. 
that spiritual need first and foremost. God, I pray for a sweeping move of your spirit in their personal lives. Move upon them, God. Minister to them by your word and by your spirit. God, I pray that you touch them physically. God, I'm asking you, Lord, for healing for their bodies. I pray that you bless them physically, Lord, that there would be nothing stopping them from doing what you've called them to do. God, I'm asking you, Lord, that you would meet every financial need that they might have. Bless them, Lord, with the resources that they need to do the work that you've called them to do. Oh, God, bless this church. Bless this church, Lord. Bless this people. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, move throughout this house. God, if there's one here this morning that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, I pray for a blanket of conviction to fall upon their life, that they, Lord, would return to you, and that their heart would be submitted, surrendered. God, that they would come to an altar of repentance. Lord, that they would receive you as Savior and Lord of their life. God, I'm asking you to touch them by the power of your Spirit all through this house. Meet every need that's represented here today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you give them a hand clap one more time? Let them know that you love them. Come on, you can do better than that. Hallelujah. I feel like singing. Can we sing? Can you put me in the key of F? Long years ago out in sin I had no hope no peace within down on my knees in agony I prayed to Jesus and he gladly set me free I never shall forget the day My feeble steps He comes to guide When trials come He comforts me
And as he sent what needed, what was needed to build, he is sending what is needed here. And, and, and I'm telling you that we'll continue to take the gospel as far as the Lord will allow. He's allowed us so far, thus far, to literally preach it all over the world. Thank God for it. And we'll keep going. We'll keep going. We, uh, we encourage you, and I know just to take time and let people go, because there's no way that we can space out like we should, but it's going to take a while. But just be patient. There's plenty. And uh, don't touch anything that Vera brought. <laughs> it's, uh, no, I'm just kidding. She said it wasn't any good, so just wait before you try that dessert. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. I want to bless the food. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We love you guys. And uh, we can't say enough. There's nothing that we could say to, to show our gratitude for being here. And uh, we are truly blessed. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your, your blessing, your goodness, and your mercy. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that we can call you. And you hear us when we call. Thank you for your strength when there is none. Thank you for your patience, your loving kindness. Lord, it is truly better than life. Thank you, Lord, for every family that's here, those that are watching. Thank you, God, for blessing us beyond measure. And I praise you, Lord, for all that you're doing. I pray that you would bless the food, the time of fellowship. We praise you for your safety in advance. And we praise you for what you're going to do. We give you glory in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. You guys can uh, go ahead and it's back there ready to go.